When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Miss Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Valtteri's Sacrifice Pleases the Racing Gods. And that title was from Stephen Fiore on Twitter. Some good runners up this week with Tim Bailey saying, Alonso calling everyone over. Turn two is over here, you dopes. And EJ suggesting that from now on, I'm going to tell my kids, when your mother tells you to put on your Wellington boots because it's raining, you listen to her Otherwise, you'll end up like Norris in the 2021 Russian Grand Prix. And then finally, Michael Clays is forcing me to do a a horrible accent by suggesting, in Mother Russia, the podium decides you. And that was from Michael Clays on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. Hi. I'm also joined by Matt Durumpitz. How's it going, Matt? It's going great. You know why? I don't know why finally had a race that both Mercedes and Red Bull can feel like they won. I think after the bitter events of the last few weeks, we sort of needed uh, this kind of a victory to bring the uh, level in the room down a bit. Yeah, literally everyone was happy after today's race, so that's no problem. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly uh, Max and Lewis fans were a lot happier than they have been previously, and I will just take that and run with it as far as I can. That's a really good point, yeah. So obviously there was a lot of vitriol uh, after... The, the Monza turn one incident with Verstappen and ending up on top of Lewis Hamilton. The internet went wild. Today, both sets of fans can be quite pleased with a victory and uh, a very improbable second place, which is brilliant. But the thing that's impressed me the most is Lewis Hamilton's post-race interview. I don't know if you caught that, Matt. He's, he's such a very polite young man being asked about his 100th victory. The first thing he says, like a, like a young child going to his friend's house, is, Thank you for having us. Like he literally said to Russia, thank you for having us. I thought he was going to ask for a jam sandwich. Thank you for having us, Russia. Can we have a jam sandwich? That's good parenting right there. That is good parenting. And that's uh, very thoughtful and aware adulting too, I might add. Yeah, look, uh, before we get into the race, I just want to remind you that we're an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first... We have a varying panel 
varying competences. And um, in the middle of those competences is Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Van Jean? Oh, you threw me with that one. Um, no, going really well. Um, much more to my appearance on the last show. Lots of whooping and hollering and clapping at the end of this Grand Prix. It was a very, very good one, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was so exciting. My son ended up getting a blanket, and a lot of the times, like a horror movie, he was putting his head underneath the blanket going, I can't watch, tell me when something happens. But in a weird way, the race was so good that the rain... Not not ruined it, but it almost... Well, yeah, it did. It ruined it. It created a whole different race than the one that we were watching. It depends who you are. It depends... You know, you've got you've got particular drivers who did really, really well from the rain. You've got Hamilton, of course. Verstappen, who went from 7th to 2nd. You've got Bottas, who went from 14th to 5th, which was his target for the race. So he'll be happy with that. Um, and then if you're not happy, you're Norris, because... Norris, bless him. Uh, Leclerc went from 8th to 15th. Um, and Aston Martin, they went from having three points to having no points. If you're a fan, it depends on where your allegiances lie. It was difficult for me. I'm a big McLaren fan, a big Norris fan, but I'm also a big Hamilton fan. So for the championship, I was quite happy to, happy to see Lewis win. Um, but gutted for Norris. Nearly cried. Yeah, I, he I, cried. I, I bet. Bless him. I, I wanted them to leave him alone in the interviews. Yes, like, stop giving him. Just, just let him go in his bedroom and cry. Let him go. Just let him go home, will you? It's already home time. <laughs> the bell has gone. But what you should try doing, because it sounds very emotional for you, is you should try being like me and just be completely neutral. We're also joined on this fully international crew. Stop laughing, Alex. Uh, all the way from Australia by Jonathan Simon. How's it going, Jono? Oh, I'm very well. What a race! I was a bit disappointed, Spanners, when you brought me on for Sochi because I said not this race. <laughs> And then it became one of the greats, one of the best races I've ever seen, for sure, this decade, at least so far. It, it definitely seemed to have everything. And, and yeah, Sochi's just not, it's not rubbish anymore, just in time to be kicked off the calendar forever. <laughs> we had this with Valencia, remember, back from 2008 to 2011. God, that was a ball fest. And then we finished with a slam, a grand slam, a, a slam dunk. 2012 was awesome. We're going back to Sochi next year. Yeah. And if the wet weather comes back again, we know what to expect. Uh, yeah, speaking of the wet weather, like I know I'm trying to be culturally sensitive here. So th- there's a lot of talk about rain. So just to explain that to you, it is a form of non-alcoholic fluid literally falling from the sky. Didn't want you to be confused. Oh, that is your panel. <laughs> that is Jono. Uh, that is Alex Van Jean. And that is Matt Two Rumpets. Right. We're going to do what we do when there's a, a big event. Uh, I know you're all dying to hear about our opinions on the the rain and the take on the rain. So what we're going to do is we're going to start at the point that it starts raining. Then we're going to roll back to qualifying and then the actual interesting strategy that brought us to that point in the rain. Yes, the rain was more dramatic, but actually we had a fascinating race leading up to that. So starting from the race, we're going to find out where the race was won and lost. Matt, where was the race won and lost? And if you don't say rain, we riot. Well, I was going to say rain and then say, well, shall we move on to whose fault is it now? But you ruined it with that introduction. So now I have to explain all the rest of it, too. That If you make the mistake of telling me what you're going to say at any point in the show, I will make do my best to ruin it. Uh, and that is what we all love about you so much. <laughs> OK, so I will say, yes, absolutely. The rain, the rain upset the apple cart it changed everything and the choices that were made in those fateful laps from lap about 48 
to lap 51 determined whether or not you made it to the podium. And there's no one who knows that more than Lando Norris. But I'm going to be even more specific here. I'm going to say it's lap 50. And that is because watching back on the onboards, on lap 50, Lando was told that Hamilton is on the enters. His team has pretty much told him he should probably go to the enters too. He knows Hamilton's on the enters. And as he gets into like the turn four and five where the rain's really getting bad, he gets passed by, overtaken by Mazepin in a Haas on enters. And by overtaken, I don't mean, oh, he just gets ahead of him in a corner. I mean like overtaken and gone, sailing off into the distance, kind of overtaken. And that is the point where Lando could have backed off and said, and said, okay, yeah, if I'm getting passed by a Haas, maybe I need the wet tires. But I'm not going to blame Lando here because he was under the amounts of stress that we can't imagine. And crucially, he had no idea where Hamilton was. And the thing is, from Hamilton's on board, he gets on his tires and he's told, okay, you're one second to the good immediately. One second safe on on pit window to Norris by the first turn, by the second turn, I mean, because turn one, not a turn, but they call it that anyway. But but by the time he gets to turn two, they're like, you're five seconds to the good. By the time he's halfway around the lap, it's like 19, you know, it was done at that point. The team should have told Lando, look, you're losing. Let's get you in. And, and they didn't. Lando was firm. No, I want these tires. And the team were like, well, okay then. Uh, well, it wasn't quite just like, Matt's painting a picture there, Alex, of like uh, of Lando Norris going, I hear what you're saying, boys. I, I, I take on board your suggestions. We've considered thought I'd rather stay out on this tyres. Actually quite un- uncharacteristic, Alex, just hearing him screaming, no, shut up! No, you're not my real parents! And like screaming no, like he was really planting a firm flag in the ground that he wanted to stay out. Matt's not blaming Norris at all. I'll go into some detail in a bit, but I, I am blaming Norris. So the thing was, when Mazepin passed Lando, I thought the exact same thing. I thought, right, get in the pit. But by the end of the lap, he had re-overtaken Mazepin. He overtook him into the final. He took him overtook him into the final chicane before the pits. So it was so in Lando's mind, it was still very much dry in the final sector, dry in the first sector, wet in the middle sector. I think he should have listened to the team. In hindsight, he definitely should have listened to the team, but. In those situations, in those conditions, the driver needs to make the call, but also needs to trust the team enough to say, for them to say, there's rain elsewhere on the circuit that's getting wet. People are faster pit now. So Lando should have taken the advice and pitted. Jono. And if you look at the position Lando was in, he was in no man's land. Lewis had a pit stop advantage to P3. He could take whatever risk he could take at that time because once he reached the dirty air of Norris in the dry, there was no chance of overtaking him. He was much faster than Norris the entire time in the dry. As soon as we got to the wet and as soon as we got to the point where Lewis can take that risk, he had nothing to lose and Norris was in the worst position because do you give up the lead and potentially the win or do you go for dry tires? Uh, No, excuse me. Sorry. Do you stay out? Yeah. And then he stayed out, made the bad decision. And unfortunately, that's the worst position you could be in is to lead in that point of the race. Right. So I want to clarify something here. It's not that I don't blame Lando. I mean, he saw Mazepin drive past him on those tires. He knew the tactical situation, but the team knew the strategic situation. And they should have just simply said, you need to come in. 
now, or else you're going to lose any chance at a podium. Never mind the, so, never mind winning the thing. So I think that's where it fell down. So Alex made a comment here about the driver should be the one to make the call. So that's an, that's an interesting talking point because I'm, I'm not sure I agree. Exhibit A is let's look at the teams and tell me if I get any of these wrong. The teams that either gave the driver the decision or, or insisted for the driver to come in. It's, it's quite interesting. It looked like Red Bull and Aston Martin simply said to their drivers, what do you reckon? And Lance Stroll, I don't know what Vettel did. I can't remember. Lance Stroll was like, no, I can stay out. That didn't go well. Perez was like, they said, do you want enters to Perez? He was like, nope. And that didn't go well. And then the teams who were a bit more forceful, just telling the driver, like with uh, Lewis Hamilton, they were like, okay, I know you don't want to come out. Lewis Hamilton ignored the first one. But then they're like, no, really, honestly, dude. McLaren tried to do the same thing, got shut down very forcefully from Norris. And it just feels like, Alex, that there should be a clear hierarchy. I know the driver's the superstar, but when it comes to, like, like, like the doctor in Star Trek, Alex, can overrule the captain, there should be like a McCoy protocol in a team. And they just go, McCoy protocol, you have to come in. And then they don't argue. What happened was you had different bits of information being given to different drivers. So after Lewis ignored the first call, the second time they said, Lewis, it is going to get worse. You need to come in. With Lando, in the interview afterwards, he said, they said it wasn't going to get any worse. So so therefore, I decided to work through it and get on with it. So I'd be really interested to know the likes of Perez, who said no to Inters, whether he was then told, dude, it's going to get worse. Yeah, I want to hear more Um, from that. And where where I mentioned about the driver should be able to make the decision. um, I mean, it's more about when you're moving from Inters to Slicks or or whatever. Um, But it's a team decision. And the driver being part of the team saying it's really wet or really dry where I currently am. And the team tells him what it's like elsewhere on the circuit. But I think it was changing so much. I think everyone just got confused. See, see Matt, I just, I just, I just think that the driver's reaction on the radio can have a huge influence. What Lando Norris did was give a war cry that the right thing to do was to go for it. Lando Norris, young man, this is, this is like every village cricketer, who they know they've just got to play themselves in and get their ones and twos, but they get a rush of blood and they're going for that six mat. Lando Norris did a war cry down the radio and I I feel like the team went with him. I I can't believe that McLaren thought the right decision was to stay out. I don't think they did. All the other teams seemed to know, like Mercedes were like, Norris will be in trouble if he stays out. I I think they got caught up in, in Norris's fervor. I think they realized they weren't going to convince him to come in. You're a parent, and I don't mean to infantilize Norris by this comment, so please don't take me wrong here. But there are some lessons you need to learn at any age by making the mistake. You know who came in? Ricardo. Mm. He got tires. And since I see people talking about who had what information, uh, Mercedes clearly told Hamilton, we expect the intensity to go up. We also need to talk about the fact that they popped Botas onto the tires straight away and they had data to back up their call. They saw the times, that they saw Botas many sectors, they knew what was going on and they absolutely yeah. used that. And I think Hamilton trusted them enough in that situation. And I think that's a crucial thing that Key hasn't word, yeah. necessarily been built between, or Norris hasn't seen the other side of that yet, whereas people like Ricardo and Hamilton have. Interestingly, Alpine told Alonso, because we're going to talk about Alonso and Perez here too, both of them 
had a real shot at a podium with the rain. Alpine told Alonso, oh, we, don't, we expect it to ease off. Oh, okay. And then he drives into it and he's like, hmm, it's raining harder. Yeah. And that's I, the best I can do for an Alonso impression. Sorry. The, the most generous interpretation, Jono, would be Norris got duff information and he didn't get told it was going to rain. But we're painting a picture here of other drivers looking at the evidence of the rain and going, oh, I don't like this. And then, and Ricardo, I'd like to know if Ricciardo got told the same information and he just made that call. I just, I can't help but feel the drivers either need to trust the team or they have to like live or die by their mistakes, uh, by their decision that is made with very little info from the cockpit. I, I jumped on F1 TV after the race and I had to listen to each onboard. I wouldn't say each onboard, but a lot of them. And I would say a lot of it was down to the driver. A lot of the decisions being made to pit were down to the driver, but some teams weren't. Because I wondered, why did Yuki Tsunoda pit for dry tires? He ended up coming in the same time everybody else came in for intermediate. He took in red soft tires for two laps, came back in. And when I listened to the radio, I know not all the radio comes through F1 TV. Some does get missed. But Yuki Tsunoda didn't make that call. But I know in other places, like yeah. Ricardo certainly made the call to come in. Hamilton did too. But like I said before, you know, with the Norris-Hamilton situation, there's nothing to lose if you're Lewis in P2 with a pit stop advantage to P3. Mm. Take whatever risk and you win. Yeah, uh, actually, t- uh, Toro Rosso, I've got previous on that. Did, was it Silverstone where it was like bone dry and they sent Gasly out on complete full monsoon <laughs> tires and, uh, mm. and they got chewed up, Matt? I think it was. Yeah, um, I just had wanted to make the the brief point that like Stroll, for example, on his onboards was calling for soft tires. I think there were some people who felt like slicks might still be quicker, but they needed the soft slicks. Uh, But he was overruled. The team just put the enters on for him. Um, But it's an interesting conundrum because the driver is driving and has the immediate information. And in fact, that's why Norris yelled, shut up at his team, because the team was telling him it's wet through turn 10. And he was like, shut up, because presumably he already knew that because <laughs> okay, yeah. he was busy driving. But it also, I think it's that thing. I'm in the lead. And it's that cruelty, the same cruelty we see with the undercut choice. If I'm leading and you're in an undercut every single lap in the pit window, my team is forced to make a choice. I'm forced to make a choice. Do I come in first? Or do I wait for the other person to go and potentially lose out to the undercut? So, yeah, there is a cruelty in leading in those situations. But once Hamilton responded, and this is the failure, and this is what Lando didn't understand, and the team couldn't convince him on. Once Hamilton is on those tires, Norris has nothing to lose by being on yep. those tires. He'll yep. be the same speed or faster. And that's where it all fell apart for them. So according to, to Chris Medland, the, the lap after... So the lap after Hamilton pitted, Norris is still quicker. He's still got an opportunity to come in and potentially come ahead uh, of Hamilton. So he has multiple chances to go to go and and go back on this decision. But oh, Alex, I I do think this is age. There was two drivers at the front who both had the wrong idea, the wrong call to come in. Both Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris wanted to stay out on their dry tires. They wanted to keep on racing. And the difference is when you're 21, you know, you are sure. I've been 21. Have you been 21, Alex? You've been 21. Yeah, I've been 21. You know everything, don't you? When you're 21, you know everything. When you're Lewis's age, which is what, 42, you know you don't know everything. So there's a, there's a, thing, there's a thing of doubt when some people are talking. Um, so Lewis, 
was still arguing on the way to the pits, Alex. He was he was wrong all the way into the pits, and he was telling the team, "It's gonna it's gonna dry up. It's dry. What are you doing?" But he still followed the instruction, and I, I can't help but put that down to to age and experience. Yeah, and I think also you put it down to pressure because Lando, everything, every voice note we heard from Lando was pressure. He was pushing hard to stay ahead of Lewis. He wanted to win the Grand Prix that he'd been leading for so long and win his first Grand Prix. He'd been making mistakes. He'd run wide several times, but was like, I can hang on to this. It will all be fine. Um, And I think it was more a case of, it wasn't defiance. I just think he didn't want anyone in his ear talking to him because he's done this before where people have been talking to him during the race and he's shut them up. And I think he just wanted to concentrate and probably actually wasn't really listening with his head, if that makes any sense. Um, and was like, no, 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 it's fine. Just, just leave me alone. Just let me get on with it. And he probably missed the call in a sense and probably had a bit of red mist and a bit of smoke. Yeah, no, I think red mist is probably a good way to describe it because he was getting angrier and angry about having to defend his, what he imagined is defending his decision to the team while the team is sitting there watching Hamilton just plow through the Delta that he had. And then watching everyone else plow through the Delta. And I mentioned Perez and Alonso earlier. Perez, well, I mean, we heard that call. I think everybody heard it. Do you want to stay out? No. Do you, do you want to come in for Enders? Yeah. No. No. That, that's it. And that's done. That's a clear podium position for him, chucked away. And again, interesting that the team just like didn't bother to say, not oh, that we you know. Heard. Not that we heard, yeah. And, and um, I, I, similar for Alpine, telling Alonso, like, oh, you know, by all means, stay out. Because he was ahead of sign when they got to their pits. If he'd pitted at the same time as them, that podium position belongs to Alpine. And they did the same to Ocon. They, they just capped him out, you know. I'll tell you this, right? Anybody who wants to rewatch this race and has F1 TV, go and watch Perez's onboard from the final laps. He had a lockup at turn 14, almost hit the barrier, never caught on the TV coverage because there were 500 million other things going on at the same time and he was in battles wheel to wheel all this stuff and he came in on lap 50 which was one of the late runners and i think everybody who came in on lap 50 either didn't make up positions or stayed the same and so that was a big struggle for perez and that obviously cost him a a lot of positions but all the people that gambled and gained spots seemed to be the people outside of the top 10 or top 10 or something i think george russell was 10th or 11th before the rain came out Bottas, Raikkonen, nothing to lose. And Antonio Giovinazzi had no radio for the race. If he had radio, they could have brought him in the same time as Raikkonen and he could have scored some points too. But he came in on lap 50 because he can't hear the team. Yeah, no, you're right. I think Sainz is the big exception here. Sainz and Ricardo both came in lap 48 and they benefited tremendously from it. They finished third and fourth. Bottas came, was behind Russell when he came in came out of the pits ahead of him, and he went from 14th to 5th. Raikkonen behind Ocon and, and 13th came in, finished 8th. Would have been 7th if they give given Norris a penalty for the pit entry thing, but they decided to be kind Yeah, that and, was, that uh, was and a just ca- give him a reprimand. That was a case of stop kicking. He's, he's already dead. Please leave him alone. Uh, we can go to the in and out of that, but I think the general thing was he had every intention of going to the pits. It wasn't a late decision. Uh, he, w- he then went back to going into the pits it wasn't like he had changed his mind last minute which is why lewis hamilton got penalized at monza i think last year and then he got also penalized for bailing out 
of a, a, a pit decision as well. You know, the in, 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 out, 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 out from Bono. So those were different. They changed their mind and you're crossing the line. Norris was fully expecting to, to pit, was trying to pit and just missed and had gone wide. So basically, they, you're not getting a penalty for just stuffing it and going wide a little bit. There was no change of intention there. I, I know I'm being hard on Lando Norris. I am a Lando Norris fan, a supporter. We've been wishing him well. I'm probably more of a fan of his after today. I will stick to my point that it is it is youth. And yes, I am jealous because he's young, rich and good looking. How dare he? And I am old and bitter and the best years behind me. But at the beginning of the weekend, at the beginning of the day, he was talking about his his aims. A, a win really wasn't the thing he was talking about. We're fighting Ferrari. I know Lewis is coming through. Thing is, Matt, when it came to it, when it came to having that position, and we'll we'll, we'll roll back to how he brilliantly put himself into a position to win pre-reign, he lost all of that. He lost his head and suddenly the win became more important than 18 points, than beating Ferrari, than getting a good result, than showing everything went out of the window for the win. And that is where I say that's inexperience, that is a rush of blood, that is the beauty and the curse of youth. It is wasted on the young. Yep, I mean, it's that, it is a classic thing and, that's what made it so dramatic and so heartbreaking is when you like someone, when you have that kind of, pa- someone who has that kind of passion, it's so difficult to see them learn the hardest lessons this way. Yeah. And we watched it with Hamilton. We watched, yes. we, we watched Hamilton make these very, very hard learning experiences Trying live up. on TV. Yeah. Too soon. Still. That's 2007 and it's no. still too soon, right? <laughs> that was horrible. Are you over that, Alex? I'm not. No. no. No, China can. I was thinking about China today. China can go and run away. <laughs> so, well, things, actually, have you noticed, especially with Lewis's um, issue in qualifying, he seems to have lots of issues in the pits. He ran over his jackman today. Oh, he hit the wall. He went off in China. Um, he went into the McLaren pits in the Mercedes. Um, he's done lots of silly things in the pit. Like, he drove into the back of Kimi Raikkonen in Canada. <laughs> Lewis in pit lanes. That's the real battle. One of my favorite things from listening to the onboards is uh, when they when they were advising Lewis to come into the pits, they were like, and it's a little bit slippy coming into the pits, Lewis. Oh, man. Well, look, everyone's got a weakness. And for Lewis Hamilton, it's the off the racetrack bit as soon as you try and pit. But look, we, we will cover a lot of the experiences other drivers had during that rain period when we go through other topics. But what I suggest we do now is go into qualifying a little bit, talk about the Mercedes decisions before the start of the race, into a little bit of the strategy. And then we have got topics, so don't 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 get angry. I have got a Verstappen charge through the pits. We'll be focusing on, on Perez's race a little bit, uh, Bottas in specific as well, and, and his quote-unquote battling at the back. Uh, pit stop rules. We've got some whose fault is, is, is it because we've got Lance Stroll. It features Lance Stroll almost exclusively, to be honest. But we'll get to that, but first, let's talk about qualifying. Qualifying was interesting, and I, I'm, I'm tempted sometimes, Matt, to just squ- skip qualifying altogether when the events of the race overtake. So, for example, in Spa, the events of the race did not overtake. In fact, no one overtook at all. So we talked a lot about the really interesting things that happened in FP1, FP2, and, uh, and qualifying. But qualifying was significant here because it really delivered us a mixed-up grid in interchangeable conditions. 
Yeah, well, it's it's the kind of a thing where qualifying sometimes it matters. It's kind of like time travel. Sometimes you go back and you step on all kinds of insect, insects and nothing happens. Other times you step on that wrong butterfly and poof, out of existence, you wink. And here, qualifying actually did matter. But when you asked me the question, like, you know, where was the race won and lost? What I really thought of uh, is this entire weekend could be encapsulated by the question, why isn't Lewis already winning everything? I mean, they yeah. were fastest in qualifying by loads through the first two sessions. You, you make they a, were f- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, sorry, sorry, people. I, I I thought he'd stopped. It's a a long connection. That habit of mine. It's a long connection between me and Matt, and he does pause an awful lot. Sorry, I never mean to talk over Matt, but um, we talked about this at Monza in the in the race review where everyone said, "Oh, you're so biased, all that British bias." We spent 15 minutes talking about all the ways that Lewis Hamilton had tried to throw away Monza before the car landed on his head. And and you're right. This weekend as well, it does feel like Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes are finding ways to throw away their advantage. They're being brilliant. They've got a fast car. They've got a fast driver. They're being fast. But they find these little ways to to kind of throw away their advantage all through the weekend. Yeah. And and there they were. Fastest in Q1. Fastest in Q2, fastest in Q3, five minutes to go, they were already fastest. And Mercedes is like, nope, the enters are still coming in. We want you to do one more lap. Everybody else, except for Ocon, I think, um, was saying, hmm, maybe these slicks are going to be faster. Let's put them on. In fact, it was our friend Russell who also kicked everything off, I think, or was with the early adopters of the enters in the race, they brought him in and said, let's put you on slicks and see if you can not crash in the next five minutes. Yeah, but Jono, this is your thing about, you know, when you're behind, you can roll the dice. And basically everyone rolled the dice except Mercedes. Yeah, I think that, as I said, you're, in, you're a sitting duck if you're Norris here, because what could have happened, and I'll play it out, another situation is Norris pits, the track's dry, and he doesn't know that information, he said, after the race. He wasn't given the information that the track was going to get wetter or worse. Yeah. And he ends up pitting and gives up his first ever victory in F1. So the way he sees it is, okay, I'm in first. I'm indecisive. What do I do? As soon as he sees Lewis pit, he says, that's done. We've committed to something. We've got to stick to it for the win. Yeah, and I think... But how do you... Yeah. Oh, yeah, go on. No, no, I, I, was think, I say, think you're right, because obviously we're talking about qualifying, and I think that exact same mentality creeped into mercedes they saw the other teams going yeah, for their yeah. softs but they were committed to their plan of inters until it was too late yeah yeah sorry excuse me so to go back to qualifying there is again with the mercedes issue i think it was just all it came down to and i'm not sure if mercedes would have got the two laps on the softs in quali obviously because that's what made the difference is getting the temperatures through the tires i think they were cutting it short and now if they got the temperature in the tires i think hamilton and bottas could have qualified up the order But that was the problem there. And for Norris, for Russell, I really like, and here's something I will say, I really loved William's strategy, and not to change the subject, but their strategy to risk-taking qualifying for Russell to jump on the softs earlier than everybody else to use up fresh intermediates was incredible. And when when you're these other teams down the order, like Norris, like Russell, like Sainz, you can take these risks. And that's what propelled them up the order in quali. Yeah, and this is where Mercedes exactly like Norris did miss the boat. They were already faster than people who had put slick tires on. Why do you need another lap? That's where it all went wrong. 
But then it went even wronger because Lewis drove into the wall oh. on his way into the pits. Yeah. And that absolutely, I mean, from a timing point of view, they were in around three minutes, 46, and they were out 2.15 or so. There was, not, there was never going to be time for them to get those tires up to temperature. Now, you, yeah. At least two laps to get that done. So just a quick diversion into Lewis Hamilton hitting the, the pit wall. There's a few of these mistakes creeping in, like we like we've spoken about. Some people have suggested, Alex, that it's pressure. I I wonder. We can get into this in depth in a non-race review show. He's about your age, and as Weber said when he retired, he said, "Well, you don't get any quicker." I, I wonder if Lewis Hamilton understands that your reactions don't get any quicker, and in fact decrease. I think it's fair and likely that the absolute peak of Lewis Hamilton's powers are slightly behind him. Not to say he hasn't got many years ahead, but you've got to adjust to that, Alex, haven't you? You've got to go, I'm kind of an old dude now. Maybe my reactions aren't super sharp. Maybe I have to go to 97, 95. And if Lewis doesn't accept that, we might get a very different Lewis Hamilton. If you accept it and drive around it, then maybe that's okay. But you're kind of an old racing driver as well. Do you race around your oldness? Oh, dear. Um... He's a year younger than me. Um, I hate to say it. But yeah, no, I, I think there is a bit of pressure in there. I think it's been a long, today was a long time before, before his last win, um, which came under yeah. interesting circumstances, let's say that. Um, Hungara ring, we, right? No, he didn't no? win Hungara ring. Didn't, oh, of course. Yeah. That was Ocon, but thank you Ocon. for bringing it up so I could say Ocon's <laughs> name again. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I just... This year, this season actually hasn't been his best season. No, he's put in some good performances, but um, he's made a lot more mistakes this season than he's made in the last five. Um, and is it pressure a little bit? Is it age and losing a little bit of sharpness? Probably. Um, and then you mix all those things into the fact that he has to be at the front because he's got to take advantage of this young whippersnapper who's trying to who's trying to beat him literally um you know it's what it's what's going to happen and you know we aren't seeing the best lewis hamilton we've ever seen this season which is why if he manages to win this championship it's bloody miraculous but um i don't know it's 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 an interesting conundrum and i think only lewis can tell you yeah so as as the um official old guy on this panel I'm going to tell you right now, it, it's not pressure. Although I think pressure plays a part in it. It's just concentration. When you get older, you do more and more stuff by habit. You do more and more stuff by rote. And you think you, your mind starts to wander. You have to think less about what you're doing because you've been doing it. If you're doing something at that level, like in my terms, I think about doing music, obviously. You just don't think about anything as much. And so your mind wanders. And, you know... That's where you see these mistakes happen when they get into a situation where you needed to have been paying attention just a little bit sooner. Are you accusing Lewis Hamilton of daydreaming in the car? <laughs> He's on autopilot. Oh my God, we're so anti-Hamilton. Hamilton fans, leave us alone. We've gotten so much grief off of, of uh, Verstappen fans. We criticise, or me and Alex certainly, are more critical of Lewis Hamilton because we are Lewis Hamilton fans. and We're just looking for that. We're looking for perfection all the time because we've been spoiled, haven't we, Alex? And I think... I think we, we are harder on, on, on Hamilton. So please, please don't at us. 
Well, this whole thing, I've I've always been hard on Lewis. I praise him when he does well. And, I'm, and unfortunately, if you don't like Lewis Hamilton, he does well more than he does not well. You know, it's like at Imola, when he overtook George. The second he moved to overtake George in that way, I'm like, what are you doing over there? There's no grip. Yeah. And lo and behold, he went off and into the wall and he got lucky. Um, but it's, he just needs to focus a little bit more and look at himself rather than everything else that's going around him. And it's, it's a good just job. Tighten up a little bit of those, of yeah. sharpen up a little of those soft edges that are creeping it's in. It's a good job we're here to give Lewis Hamilton advice. He really needs it. And I know, I know he tunes in specifically just to get our advice. But look, we are like slating Lewis Hamilton on a race that he won. So we need to focus in on that. Like he was the winner today and did win a hundred, a hundred Grand Prix today. Those things happened. Uh, but Matt, when we get to qualifying, I think there's a couple of points quickly to go on, which is a Lewis Hamilton's little shunt in uh, in the pit lane kind of held them back, but I don't think they were going to get two laps anyway. So no, I think the damage I, I was done. I would 100% yeah. say they never would have gotten those yeah. tires hot enough to yeah. improve their times based on literally he, Botas and Ocon all did the same number of laps. None of them improved their times. Everybody who did one lap more did. Mm. So, yeah, never going to happen. They didn't leave enough time for it. Someone said, oh, China 2007 wasn't, that's Peter in our chat. Hello, chat room. Says he wasn't old then. No, he was really young then. That's the worst thing. Like, Jono's young and terrible. I'll ask terrible young Jono a thing now. How old are you, by the way? Yep. Uh, 25. Oh, that's Very not so young. young. That's not so young. You're all right. You're already getting to the point where you're bored of nightclubs and could accidentally become a dad just pure thought just but you'll could have already happened you'll go and buy slippers and then you're a dad you're at that age now Uh, but uh, yeah then (laughs) mercedes make the decision with verstappen at the back of the grid to give bottas a deliberate engine penalty to go to the back what do you think of that decision did nothing did it Bottas defended him for about i would say 100 meters during the race (laughs) which i have to say something did you see how hard it was for people to overtake during the race? And Verstappen just does it with ease against so many cars with hard tires. And yes, some of them were slower cars, but I'm like, he got past the Mercedes, so it couldn't have been all slower cars. Whereas everybody else in the DRS trains just couldn't make overtakes. He's a young whippersnapper is Verstappen. He's pretty good. He's pretty handy. Actually, one more thing. He does remind me, and this is going to annoy both sides of Verstappen and Hamilton fans, <laughs> He reminds me right now, his driving style, the way he's approaching racing of young Lewis back in 07 to 08, the same Lewis, the same driving style, same aggression, same approach. Mm. They're very similar. That's not going to please either sets of fans, Alex. (laughs) I think, though, the difference between um, Red Bull and McLaren at the time, any petulance and things like that, McLaren thoroughly beat out of Lewis. Ron Dennis did not allow for that kind of thing to happen in his organisation. And if they thought Lewis was in the wrong, they definitely would have taken him into a room and gone, no, not again, where Max isn't getting that, I don't feel. I feel that Red Bull are encouraging Max to just go out and be Max. But as far as Bottas is concerned, oh, Bottas, as far as Bottas is concerned, what's he doing? I mean, the second this, this, I mean, I hope they actually needed to replace the engine and this wasn't a strategy. No, because, not, a ch- because, not a chance. That was the most cynical engine. Because the second they called that as a strategy call, it took Max seven laps to pass Bottas. 
I mean, come on. He cruised up to the back of him. Bottas didn't even try to defend. And I mean, the whole thing was before the race, he'd had lots and lots of um, defence from his his defensiveness against Max previously, saying he's on bad tyres and blah, blah, blah. And now's his chance with a brand new engine and um, fresh tyres at the same age as, as Max is to really show that he can defend against Max. And he just waved Max by. Absolutely furious with Bottas. I'm so glad he's leaving Mercedes. Oh, wow. You've just had your Brad Philpott rant moment. That's going on. That's going on Twitter tomorrow. Lots of people in the live chat pointing out the obvious flaws to my slipper dad analogy. Can I just say I don't really understand how all of that works. I just wanted to speak to the pretty singer lady. And now I have two awful loud children, one of whom has already decided what's going to be on my gravestone. She said, Dad, on your gravestone. It's going to say he thought he was amazing and would live forever, but he was rubbish and he died. So that, that's, that's what happens, Jono. Just a warning to you. I know I didn't get all of that right. But when we come to the actual decision to do that, it's very un-Mercedes, Matt. The actual decision to deliberately get the penalty. And I'm not buying that his two-race-old engine needed changing. And it was because he fit. I'm not buying it. It was a cynical attempt, allegedly, to go and mess with Verstappen's race. Total Wolf said, we're not trying to mess with Verstappen's race. I don't believe you, sir. I like you. You're a handsome man. You you inspire confidence. You're frightening. I wouldn't want to fight you, but I that's a lie. And <laughs> you definitely did it to to try and mess with Verstappen's race. But it's it's not like a, a team sport thing where oh, you swap positions. I, I think that's perfectly fair for a team sport, Matt. This is one of the most cynical engine a penalty, deliberate penalty type things we've ever seen. So we saw Massa at Brazil. They opened a gearbox to give Alonso an extra place. This wasn't even just to help Hamilton. I could imagine if they gave him a penalty to get him out of the way, they deliberately put him at the back of the grid to mess with another team member. This is proper mucky. In a way, I admire it because it's Mercedes thinking out of the box and being un-Mercedes. But that was a bit dirty. Am I wrong? Well... Let's just say you have mistaken the chicken and the egg in this situation, from my point of view. Okay. Because if I think about this from a rational or logical point of view, has Botas ever successfully defended against Verstappen for very long? Okay, I can answer that. No. The no. situations in... Yes, the answer is no. I know that. Okay, thank you. But the situations in which they we have expected Botas to defend against Verstappen are when Hamilton and Verstappen are up ahead and Botas is left out say, like 10, 15 seconds behind. And, and then, usually on old tyres, too. Yeah, yeah, on old tyres. That yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he's on tyres, old old tyres. Verstappen will come out with fresh tyres, and then they're like, oh, slow down Verstappen for as long as you can. And A, he's not asked about doing that. And B, like, he couldn't. And C, he's on old tyres. So those are the situations. You'd hope it would be different in a straight fight, a few grid spaces ahead, in the pack. You would hope, if you were Mercedes, that Bottas could help you out. I appreciate you making that argument so I don't have to, and then shooting it down with the following supposition, which is he was already starting seventh. So crucially, I think for Mercedes, given the fact that we're expecting a mostly dry race, that puts him ahead of Perez. And as happens, Perez wound up right behind Hamilton at the start. So first of all, you're taking someone potentially out of the way between Perez and Hamilton. That's not good. Second of all, even if my only use for Botas is essentially is a Formula One doorstop, from P7, 
He can drive around at pretty much any speed he darn well pleases, create a DRS train which makes Max's life miserable, and then when Max is about 29 seconds behind him, which is about five seconds more than the pit stop delta, put Botas onto any set of tires you care to choose in front of Max with fresh tires, meaning there will be no overcut, no undercut for Max, and just let him create havoc till he runs out of tires in the middle of the race when it would have mattered a lot more for Verstappen getting closer to Hamilton. Instead, you put him at the back where literally a collision on the first lap could entirely take him out of play. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm going with the power unit that Botas got gifted in Monza was essentially a replacement for the trashed one from Imola. And what I find interesting about this is they only chose to replace certain elements to ensure he started ahead. And those would be the ice, yeah. the turbocharger, and the MGUH. And that gives us a real clue as to what Mercedes thinks is least reliable about their current power unit. What's most likely to break yeah. are those things. Now, they would have replaced the whole engine, but they didn't want him starting behind Verstappen mm. because they realized, and this is, this is the chicken part of the egg that I'm talking about here, they realized that if they did this, Red Bull would think that they were purposefully putting Botas there to mess with Verstappen, and that would mess with Red Bull, like a lot. And you saw the uproar. It had its absolutely intended effect, and it was fantastic and brilliant gamesmanship from yeah, Mercedes. Yeah, they could have had him starting in the back. Valtteri, issue the Hungaroring protocol. Off you go. And uh, yeah, I think the, the only three elements and the only 15-place grid penalty and the fact that it was all like for like, which meant not a pit lane start, all to me say it was it was a cynical attempt to mess with Verstappen's race. But I oh the race, let's go to that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A race happened. 
And as promised, I want to sort of roll back around to, to one and lost because I think at its core, this race before the rain was a fantastic battle between Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton. I know Carlos Sainz featured bravely, like the Arcadians in 300, Matt. Sainz played his part admirably, but it wasn't about that. It was about our two protagonists, Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris. They were the ones fighting for the win today. I know there was a couple of contenders that might have sneaked in in there. We can talk about that a bit later. But yeah, Lando Norris pulled an absolute blinder. We can talk about his start because we talked about qualifying, Matt, and actually one of his biggest mistakes today, all weekend, in fact, one of his biggest mistakes was being in first place. Nearly every time he was at the front in any way, shape or form, it ruined him. The decision on the wets from the start line and also... uh, I've forgotten, I've forgotten my third one, but it was a great point, I'm sure. But yeah, off the start, he just got mugged by everyone, but still brilliantly fought his way back. Well, you could say that, or you could say that being on pole position in Sochi, if you're Norris, and just to finish up with qualifying, yes, it was Norris who who was uh, first and got pole position, is probably one of the worst pole positions to have in all of the current Formula One tracks. And he admitted as much after he'd won it, even though it was an exciting thing. And sure enough, at the start, it was very exciting. Norris got a pretty good start. But at the end end of it all, after um, after I believe it was Russell and Sainz had a bit of a battle, Sainz got the toe from Norris, swapped to the outside, and managed to get in front of Norris. And that was tragic. Because had it been the other way around, I think Norris would have left signs in the dust pretty rapidly by the time they got to their first pit stops. And he would have had a much bigger window to play with for his pit stop and then for when the rain came. So it was very, very impactful. But it also impacted Hamilton. Yeah, those things did. I Just to your point the, that signs might have messed with uh, Lando Norris's race by having to get past him, I think... Norris did spend time saving tyres as well. There was a point where they were both holding station, fuel saving, tyre saving. And when Norris went with pace and went to attack, Sainz still had stuff. So for a moment, Ferrari fans must have been sat there thinking, oh my God, they had hope. They had hope for a second. Oh, Sainz has got pace. But in the end, like Lando just had that little bit more pace to to get past. But obviously then, uh, then Alex, of course, Hamilton's stuck in that Russell train. Lando's got a bit of free air and it really was set up beautifully for even at that point, I think it looked like Hamilton versus Norris. Would Hamilton catch Norris? Yeah. So the start was interesting for Hamilton because um, you take into the fact that he lost positions. It looked like he got a bad start, but if you watch Norris and you watch Sainz and you watch the cars behind Lewis, um, they all got the same kind of start as Lewis. It was George and Danny Rick who got, absolute rocket starts and that's what put Hamilton in problem so Hamilton had to go close to the wall Danny Rick went around the outside of him George pushed Sainz up against the wall um Lando moved over on Sainz and then moved over again breaking early boxing Lewis in and because he boxed Lewis in Lewis had to break quite hard and that's what cost him all those positions and put him down to seventh um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like um, whichever race it was where he got a bad start, Monza in the spring yeah. race, where he got a bad start. This wasn't a bad start. It's just he just got boxed in and had nowhere else to go. But that's the punishment you get for hitting a wall and yes. spinning and qualifying. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jono. 
Can we all not forget the memorial start of Fernando Alonso's as well? <laughs> just cutting the entire complex, practicing it on the formation lap as well. Wait, he wait, just is what, the king wait, of starts. On. What? He did what on the formation lap? Uh, so apparently it was reported that on the formation lap, he practiced that line through... Yeah, I'm assuming you know about it. No, but there no you go. I didn't know about it. Oh. I didn't know about it. That is brilliant. And there was a quote from him basically saying that he's surprised how much everyone's cheating this year. And and if they can all do it, then he can do it as well. But I, I was so surprised how much momentum he was able to keep going through the... Did he did he successfully go through all the cones or did he just... Did he like Vettel at Monza and go through them? I I think he got through them. I don't know if he gained much of an advantage. I think he pretty much evened out by the end of it. But it was uh, it was pretty ingenuitive. You've got to give him that. I think what it might be, Matt, is that the pack is kind of slower on the start there. So you can negotiate those and still come out in a pretty good position. But he had a role to play because he held up Hamilton for a bit. He held up Perez for a bit. Uh, yeah, he gave those spots back, and did he? Boy, oh, he, right. he 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 went because he was right behind the train that got past Hamilton. I think he was behind Stroll. Um, and as they came into turn two, he, you know, I mean, he did loosen the onboards, may have downshifted at some point, but then the audio doesn't line up, so you never really know for sure. But he just like went winging to the left around all the beer barriers, came back out. He was in third place on the other side of turn two from seventh ish when he went into it, but he did give those spots right back. And by the start of the second lap, he was, you know, more or less in his original grid position, but he had a much easier time of it (laughs) than the people who actually tried to keep it (laughs) within the white lines. Okay. So Alex, we're watching uh, uh, Hamilton in that, that chain and people start pitting. So people start pitting lap 12 and we never really got to see how much those people would be impacted at the end of a dry race. But certainly within our WhatsApp group. And by the way, uh, tell me you use WhatsApp too much without telling me. You referred to the radio comms as voice notes earlier. I forgot to mock you for that. Yeah, Nor- Norris with <laughs> his Kyle <laughs> with his Norris with his voice notes. Um, yeah. So uh, people were screaming at Mercedes. Why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you doing anything? I, I think I think staying out there and just saving his tires might actually have just been smart enough was the right decision because the mediums came back um they went through their graining phase and they came back and all lewis needed was some clean air he was bottled up behind danny rick for so long and i think the second he came out of being behind danny rick he set purple sectors and went and set the fastest lap and went on his hunt to try and get his victory um so i think that's where it kind of worked people jumped early and I think the people who pitted early might have had to have gone for a second stop. Yeah. And because overtaking was so difficult here, you didn't want a second stop. So I do think staying out was the right decision. John out. Yeah, James is right. So when all the drivers stayed out, the mediums came back to them. Remember back to Baku when Sebastian Vettel stayed out on a set of tyres that we thought were going to give up probably 500 laps before they did. <laughs> And okay. one of my friends works for McLaren. He's an engineer. And he said, oh, yeah. I, I mentioned to him after the race, oh, did you like that strategy by uh, Vettel to stay long? And he's like, yeah, we were looking out for that. It's a pretty good strategy. And what have McLaren done today? They've stayed out long and mm-hmm. they've made the most of the tires. They've used Ricardo as a doorstop. Unfortunately, yeah. not the way that Bottas was used with Mercedes because he was basically disposed like discarded rubbish by Verstappen. But anyway, um, when you look back at the strategy, I think it's actually best to stay out long. If somebody wants to undercut you, go ahead. But then 
you never know. Even if later on you pit and your tires are 10 laps fresher and they've already got the undercut on you, you can catch them gradually over the course of a race, yep. lap by lap, chip away at the lead slowly, and then make an overtake later in the race. And that's a strategy that teams don't look at often enough. Well, I think the teams, Matt, were looking still back to Nico Rosberg's magic tyres. And I think everyone assumed that if you started, you know, you could pit early at some point and then just finish the rest of the race. And by lap 12, people were reporting uh, the, my, my, my front left or my front right is, is starting to go, whichever one is being drained by lap three, uh, by turn three, the long one. So I think people were caught out a little bit by actually having to manage tyre wear in this race. It's the first time I can remember tyre wear being an issue at Sochi. And look, lo and behold, magically, Bottas's advantage disappears when this track is actually being abrasive to your tyres. So I think a lot of teams were caught out by that. Well, delightfully, um, Pirelli chose to bring their softest compounds to this race. Nice. C3, C4, and C5. And as the temperatures were pretty low, I'm talking track temperatures in the 20s. Um, the mediums in particular, and probably the softs too, had anyone tried to use them, went through a pretty severe phase of graining where the tread temperature and the bulk temperature didn't agree. And you get these little bullets of rubber that roll around on between the tread and the surface of the track. And you lose grip till that clears itself. It will clear itself, but you suffer, you know, reduced performance while that's going on. And so, uh, aside from Verstappen, who had some contact to his wing, and we're talking about him because, after all, he did finish second, um, the runners on the mediums were the ones that had that issue, and that would include Norris. He started on the mediums. Mm. Interestingly, did not include Perez. The hards seemed to be better in these temperatures, the, wherever their optimal performance window was, was easier to get into and stay into. And so Perez, for example, did not have that issue. So, uh, We'll go to, I'm being like racist here. I want to talk about Ricardo. So I'm going straight to Jono because yes. now your expectations are just high because you're just expecting wins. I assume like, I assume all Australians are Ricardo fans. There's a bit of a Dutch Max type thing going on. No, I, I, uh, I don't know. Am I allowed to say it? There, there are one or two Australians I know who don't like Daniel Ricardo. Oh my God. Are they, of fact, I, are they I welcome at bars? <laughs> Wait, could you hear that? Oh, they just got arrested for uh, not being Daniel Ricciardo fans. I heard some police sirens in yep, the background. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's a sin. You have to be a Ricciardo fan here. But at, Mo- at Monza, there was a team spirit trying to get that one too. It happened to be Danny up at the front and they went with it. Norris was supportive. I get the feeling that Ricciardo knew that Hamilton behind him was really, really good for the team. Yeah, of course. And the way I looked at it as well is as soon as Russell and Stroll basically threw their chances away at a podium by pitting early, McLaren did the best thing there to defend Norris by using Ricardo yeah. to, to roadblock Hamilton. And I think what McLaren anticipated were, we're going to pit, Lewis is going to try and pit to cover us or try and get the undercut or do something. And as soon as Ricardo got out of the way, McLaren probably thought, oh, wait a second, we should have kept him out there. And that was a big problem for the race. And so I think McLaren are certainly going to regret that. It's a lesson learnt for them. Um, and it's something to look forward to for the next race. Hopefully we see you more back at the front. Well, let's see. So this somewhat inadvertently brings us to the third place. The race was won and lost, in my opinion. And that is the brand new technical directive about pit stops. 
yeah. under which I'm going to loop all our pit stops. Because let's be clear, Ricardo was brought in, as Jono correctly points out, because he had been defending, he'd been holding up Hamilton. Um, but McLaren were also, because they're very, very smart people and have lots of strategists, were keeping a close eye on Stroll. Yeah. Who had pitted early and they brought him in and he should have been out in front of Stroll. Mm. But it didn't happen because McLaren had like a, I don't know, nine or 10 year pit stop. Easily pizza <laughs> could have been ordered. Video games could have been played I in the know. amount of time. And it's not like the tires weren't on the car. It was just a bunch of mechanics standing around looking at the car going, well, I don't know. What do you think? We're done. And then eventually they just sent him off. Yeah. And it's all down to, I really believe this. It's all because Red Bull had a bad stop. Mm -hmm. Ferrari had a bad stop. It's all down to, I think a lot of teams had to rejigger their equipment to meet yeah. this. And you've got people who were trained with uh, drilled to perfection with one set of tools. And then you hand them a new set of tools and say, yeah, under the utmost pressure, please go out and do the exact same thing and don't screw anything up. And well, guess <laughs> what happened? Well, I just want to quickly address Jono's point of why didn't they, they keep them out? I think they were dummied by Mercedes. Who, who keep pulling this move of, oh, we genuinely were planning to pit. I don't think they had any, any inclination to pit. It would have been a panic move at that point to, to bring Hamilton in and try and do an undercut. Just It would have been sacrificing your whole race just to overtake Daniel Ricciardo. I think that was a dummy. They've got previous for it. It's, it's against the rules. There's definitely a rule that you're definitely not allowed to do that. And Mercedes are really pushing the boundaries of that, of that rule. And they, they seem to do it again and again and again. But I do think that McLaren did fall for that dummy. So they, they put the mechanics out. McLaren responded to that. Mercedes went on their way. I think they were always going to go uh, on their way. Alex? Something I learned today about um, pit stops and the way the guns work and the way the team members tell the system that the cars are ready to go, um, there is a delay built into the buttons that they press, which is um, this whole same delay that you've got with um, full starts where the perceived um, uh, uh, human reaction time. And the Red Bull guys, for example, are drilled so heavily that when the, what happened with Max at the last race and obviously what's happened in these ones is they press the button, they've pressed it before the system is actually allowing them to press it. And they can't just keep mashing the button. They have to basically go through the process to unpress the button first then press the button again. And that's what a lot of the teams are going for. And that's what's causing the problem. The slow pit stops we are seeing have absolutely nothing to do with teams messing up. The slow pit stops we are seeing at the moment are because this new directive has screwed everything up. So unfortunately, we've now got a problem where we've gone from pit stops being this fantastic part of the sport where you're getting two-second pit stops, or in the case of Red Bull, for example, sub-two-second pit stops, it's becoming a bit of a lottery. Okay, and... I, I don't like this, Matt. I don't like it. I hope they sort this out. I I said I didn't like a race being decided just because, you know, Derek on the front left didn't press a button or, or couldn't get a nut off. It's such a si millions and millions of pounds, all that practice, all the that racing, all that strategy, and it can be decided by, oh, a, a, a nut cross threads. I don't like that. I've never liked it. And this is only making it worse. There's a random element. Ricardo, Perez... So, uh, and then uh, wasn't it Verstappen in the last race as well? Like Red Bull, who are so good at pit stops, have been having these these long stops. It's not how I want to see a race decided. If we're going to do this, if there's a reason to slow down the pit stops because it's safety, then just have a minimum pit stop time and just make it so that pit stops can't decide races. If you're going to let them do the quickest stop, just let them do the quickest stop. But I'm sure 
I'm sure we can drill into that another time, Matt. I, I think that we can, but I, I tend to agree with you, even though it mostly sounds like Red Bull propaganda coming from our friend Jeansy <laughs> there. He's absolutely correct in terms of uh, what he's talking about and in terms of the systems involved. And it was a loss for Red Bull and the teams that had used that system that the rules got changed. But remember, in Formula One, there's the race on track, but then there's also the race um, in the background, the political race to get rules changed to cost your rivals time. And this is part of that game. All right, so uh, Hamilton is unleashed. And just as he is... He is really starting to hone down on the leaders, doing really good lap times. They are forced then. They are forced to pit because it is actually Daniel Ricciardo on the newer tyres is the one forcing that gap. So then they're no longer safe to Ricciardo. They have to go and they have to go and pit. If we shake out to the end of that battle, Alex, where we think that Lando Norris is getting completely swallowed up by Hamilton, that gap closes. This is where we see uh Norris's talent and awareness of a race situation suddenly from that gap being closed down to two seconds there's a ton of pace and he's been hiding it and you go oh oh man this kid this kid like he is fighting for this win now he's in it properly in it his lap times were so ridiculously consistent no doubt what everyone else was doing he wasn't the fastest on the track by any stretch of the imagination but he was doing 41s, 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 41s for lap after lap after lap after lap. When everyone else is doing the odd 39, the odd 40, he was just banging in 41s, 41s. He had this gap. He knew what to do. And then as soon as someone got within striking distance, yeah. boom, purple. Um, and it was great to see. And it was at that point we're like, oh, damn, Lewis isn't just going to fly past. Yep. We're going to have a fight now. Um, and then the rain in some way ruined it, in some way made it better. It, it definitely ruined that battle, Matt, because we never yes. got to see if Norris could do what Ricardo did so well at Monza and what Ricardo had actually done well to Hamilton earlier in the race. Could Norris have done that? And you've got to think, yeah, and, unless he stuffed it. And even he did make a mistake that let Hamilton catch up, and that still wasn't enough to let him overtake. But we were already into the wet track then. I mean, let's be clear. Okay. Hamilton, unlike Perez, could not pass Ricardo on track. Ricardo came in, and that's what let Hamilton gain back that time on Norris. John, and oh, sorry. No, no, you carry on, Matt. Sorry. I thought Jono was yielding because I made the same point he was about to make. Uh, go but, on then, Jono. Let's, let's, let's have you. No, no. So you're correct. Now, this is what happened when Ricardo pitted. I looked at the lap times, and Lewis Hamilton at one point, and this is true, have a look at the lap times, was over three seconds a lap faster than Max Verstappen, who is one of the quickest cars out there on the racetrack, mm-hmm. stuck in traffic. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. Choking at 6, 10 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so <laughs> the next thing is, when you look at the lap times when Hamilton was catching Norris, he would gain maybe, and this is when Hamilton's within about two seconds of Lando, he'd gain maybe two tenths in the first sector, another two tenths in the second sector, lose three or four tenths in the last sector. And it was repeat for those last three or four laps before the rain started to hit. So in my opinion, if I had to take a little guesstimate, I think Norris would have held him off for the win. I think it was impossible to overtake. And there was nothing that Lewis could do just based on the sector times and the dirty air. So I don't know if that was the point you were trying to make, Trumpets, but I thought maybe you were leading to that. Well, I think in the larger sense, yes, it was down to 
had the track remained entirely dry, it would have been down to, will Lando make a mistake? And I think if Lando doesn't make a mistake, I did not think the Mercedes had the pace, the raw pace, to force themselves past. But when I say mistake, it could be like, oops, I pressed that button a second later than I should have, kind of mistake. I mean, I think the margins were razor thin, much closer than at Monza. Okay, so Jono. Oh, sorry, Matt. I'm sorry I've done it again. You carry on. It is the slight Zoom delay. I feel like you've stopped and then I have to carry on. Uh, Beg your pardon. No, no, but I wanted to get back to the pit stops to talk about the one person we really need to talk to, talk about with these first round of pit stops, and that would be Perez. Okay. Because he was on the hard tire. Yeah. He led the race. Yeah. He was brought in lap 36. Now, at this point, I got to say, He was 17 seconds ahead of Hamilton. And I'm like, oh, man, he's going to come out be, be what, seven seconds back of Hamilton with much fresher tires to get to the end of the race. Verstappen, as we know, and trying to get around Leclerc, had some contact front wing. My theory is that did some damage and made it impossible for him to manage his tires, his front tires correctly. So he's incredibly front limited circuit. Because, I mean, I know everybody knows that, so I apologize for saying it again. But it is a very front-limited circuit. And I was thinking, this is it. It's going to be Perez taking the fight to Hamilton for Red Bull. And then, much like Ricardo, he pulls in, he gets out, he goes, he goes over, gets himself an ice cream, calls his family in Mexico, maybe uses a bathroom, gets All back right. in the car. All right, and Matt, yes. ruined. Yeah, it took a long time, but we were so so. Just some history, like I like I like a little flutter, but I I like fifty p, twenty p, you know, really like micro bets, and uh, I've not done so well this year. There's been a lot of like extraordinary results and races. I was down to my last seventy p, and I chucked it on uh, Perez twenty five to one to win the race. And for a second, there was a few scenarios, Alex. You're laughing at me, but there was a few scenarios where he could have won, and it was down to. If Norris had held him up, if Norris had held up uh, Lewis Hamilton and Perez had gone long enough to just come out just behind the two of them with a tyre advantage. But really, in reality, Norris had the pace to pick up uh, and then Perez had that horrible pit stop anyway. I, I love to, sli- to slight your fandom I for Perez. I know you do. You troll, How, you troll. How, however, I did at one point also think that Perez had a shot of winning that race yeah. because he genuinely did. Yeah. He genuinely did. He was d- genuinely in the hunt for the win for that race. And then it just all evaporated, literally evaporated. Uh, just just for, for the, the, for the Perez fans out there, just know, just know, I feel it that we needed a result this weekend and it was there. And if anybody needed a result, it, I think it was Perez. And I think that led to the downfall a little bit, much like Lando Norris smelled glory and stayed out with that war cry. I think Perez's decision was driven by, I've not had a, re- a result. I've not shown what I can do. I need this. And that's why he stayed out in the end. Uh, and if it was not for the rain and the bad pit stop, there was almost a guaranteed, there was a guaranteed podium. Second place was definitely on. And then had he made the same call as Verstappen, that then it was second place i imagine they would have been asked to change or whatever but yeah he would have been earlier in than hamilton all right yeah or norris i mean there was a potential win in that if red bull had said uh you know what you've you've gotten 
we've messed with you once. Let's just chuck you onto the inners for Max a lap early and see how they do. Yeah. That could have won them the race. Yeah. Yeah, it could have done. Anyway, that's a missed opportunity. Uh, I'm just just hoping that result comes because I... Yeah, it's tough being a Perez fan at the moment. So let's just brush past that. Verstappen, Max Verstappen, Jono, what did you think of his charge up the field? I know he ended up second, but had the rain not come, he was in that kind of DRS chain. We were kind of looking at mm-hmm. sixth, mm-hmm. seventh. There was cars with fresh tyres coming through. Uh, didn't he get overtaken by Alonso at one point and decided not to yep. fight him? So I don't know. What do you think? think it was it was a good performance. He was, you know, yeah. he was aggressive. Mm-hmm. That that incident with uh, Leclerc nearly ended badly. That was a great scrap. I really yeah. enjoyed that one. I actually enjoyed the Leclerc Vettel scrap. I thought that yeah. was a little bit personal. But the Verstappen <laughs> one, at the start of the race, I was just mesmerized by how he was seemed to be, I might be wrong, but he seemed to be the only driver who could pull off overtakes in a DRS train, which I was very impressed by. Yep. Um, I certainly thought he drove a phenomenal race. I thought he was in my opinion, should have been driver of the day, did everything right during the day. And what impressed me more, and this is saying something, what impressed me more than the DRS overtakes is his drive on slicks on a wet track where he passed so many cars, which was missed by the coverage. Not that it was the director's fault, but they were focusing on the Norris Hamilton scrap. It wasn't. So we'll trust the director another time. Okay. But I think Verstappen is, and that went overlooked. And what you see is he's passing Ricardo, who's run off the track. He's passed all these other drivers who are ahead of him. And I thought to myself, how the hell did he get to P2? How did that happen? And then you watch it behind the scenes and you're just mesmerized. What a performance. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Max, Max, Max was brilliant today. I thought it, was re- it would be really, really easy for Max to trip up over somebody today. Mm. Um, a Bottas, um, you know, uh, an Aston Martin. Really, really easy for him to make a lunge that just didn't pay off, but he was cool and calculated. Another driver of a champion. And if he wins this title, you can look to this race for making the absolute maximum damage limitation that he possibly could. So hats off to Max Verstappen today. Proper job. Okay, so even if he'd finished fifth or sixth, which is what it was looking at, I would still say that was good damage limitation. From from the back of the grid on a track where it was hard to overtake in those DRS trains, it still would have been good. It was fifth or sixth is what I would have expected from him. Yeah, but you know, he finished second. That is a that is a massive slice of good fortune, which he took advantage of. The opportunity for the fortune came. He made the right decision. He took advantage of it. Not everybody would have done great credit to him, but you know, let let's be honest that that was a good slice of fortune, Genesy, and then Jono. It was a good slice of fortune, but. His performance, when the weather changed, was better than everybody else's around him. And that's what got him into second place. Um, He could have done the exact same thing as everybody else. He could have stayed out. He could have done something different. He could have gone off the track. He could have made mistakes, but he didn't. Again, he showed he's really good in the wet and in changeable conditions. And it was a great performance. I actually give him less luck on that than actual than than him actually giving actual skill. Okay. I well, think it was more I think I think a lot of that was more on Max than on the luck. Sure. Jono. I I agree. Like there was a, a little element of luck to it, but he didn't crash his into his teammate like Stroll or whatever the hell Stroll was doing. <laughs> he didn't run off the track like five hundred other drivers. Yeah. 
He made the right call at the right time to go in the correct tires, which I think is also part of being a driver. It's not just your skill on track. It's your decision-making, your experience, your confidence, not arrogance, to make a good decision. I thought he drove splendidly. And this is the best thing about this season. You've got Hamilton and Verstappen driving awesome. They are two amazing drivers fighting for a title. I almost, like, this is going to sound a bit annoying, I almost wish they could split the championship half and half to both. Boo, how dare you? That's far too reasonable. I think I would caveat that with Hamilton is driving well, but the little non-driving things, I think, is what is what's letting Hamilton down at the moment. There's the odd strategy call, these pit lane things that are going on, the brake magic. You remember, like the brake magic, such a thing. Oh, my gosh. Okay, We are putting that down as a driver error, an unlucky driver error, but there's a few of these now. When you talk about an unlucky driver error, there's a few of these little things that are starting to add up that are starting to to cost Hamilton. Uh, okay, so uh, where are we? Where are we in proceedings? Oh, Matt, is it nearly time to play my favorite game? It nearly is. I okay. just need to mention. Do it. Because we haven't talked about Norris' first pit stop. And McLaren, and I'm talking about it only because I want to just like say, wow, McLaren's strategy. Yeah. Did you ever nail? They put him out five seconds in front of Gasly and seven seconds behind Leclerc, who was about to pit anyway. And it was just a gift. He was out. He didn't have to push those tires. He could take his time getting them up to temperature. He was ahead of everybody else. I mean, it really just looked like McLaren's race to lose at that point. Uh, I think they had everything dialed in. So it was uh, just the rain. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to lose my Hamfosi credits here. Sorry, All Hamilton right. fans. Right. I, I know I wanted a good result from Hamilton, but at that point, I just didn't want anything to go wrong for Norris, especially after yeah. Monza. I, I, was, I was holding my breath for that pit stop because I was just thinking, don't let this be decided by a rubbish pit stop. Anything but that, Matt. And, and I held my breath for that whole pit stop. And that's the thing. The guys changing the tires knew they had that margin yeah. in case something went wrong. So it kind of, after the bad Ricardo stop, like, okay, we're going to bring Norris in. Yeah, he's in the lead. But look, his pit window, he's got so much time to the guy behind him. You really don't have to worry that much. Just go out there and do what you got to do. I'm still a bit upset by Jono saying we should split the championship. Like, I'm disgusted, actually. <laughs> oh, it's slack. Is it the half points? <laughs> slack on impressed, dude. It's the half points. It's just infected everybody. Yeah, half oh, points it was a here. joke. No, it Nobody w- take it seriously. Don't Come you on. backtrack Are now. you kidding me? No, you're dead to us you now. You really think I want that to happen? I bet you liked double points, didn't you, Jono? Yeah, you wanted No, tri- I hated double points. Despised it. You wanted triple points. That's what you wanted. <laughs> or the sprinklers, <laughs> too. It's time to play a game. Whose fault is it? If you're new to Missed Apex Podcast, you might not be aware that we don't acknowledge racing incidents. I I can't stand it. When there's a really, like, you know, a a thing that culminates, a battle that culminates in contact, and people want to go, oh, it's just a racing incident, it's just one of those things. It drives me mad. I don't care if it's true. We get to explore the racing rules by playing our game, Whose Fault Is It? So, in this uh, race, there really wasn't many contacts, but all of them involved Lance Stroll. So, during, <laughs> look, look, warning, trigger warning, we may be slightly cl- critical of uh, Lance Stroll. There's a few things with um, Lance Stroll. His decision in the, in the rain was played out on radio, and 
it was very much Lance Stroll's decision to stay out. He went wide at one corner. I can't remember which corner it is because it's such all the corners look the same. He got asked, you know, do you want to come in? He says, no. He gets just about to that same corner again. His radio says, oh, do you want to come in now? He says, no, I'm fine. And then he goes off again at that same corner and ends up hitting the wall. This is after hitting his own teammate and at some point randomly hitting Gasly, who's overtaken him because Gasly has made the right call to stay out. You can say what you want about Lance Stroll. You can say that he has uh, made the best of it, that he's improved. This was just a horrible sequence uh, of events for Lance Stroll. Where where should we start? Obviously, uh, we should start with the fact that it looks like his his, uh, Brad... You know, Brad, do you remember Brad from Monza? I'm pressing the right button, Brad. It looks like Brad has paid the price for questioning the prince. He doesn't seem to be there anymore. They had a dispute, didn't they? And now he's not there. I've heard a rumour that Otmar is going to pay the price for not having praised Lance Stroll enough. Do you remember with the Carter show, which I hope you enjoyed, we talked about Otmar Schaffnauer overly praising Lance Stroll, calling him one of the best talents in Formula One. And that seemed weird. Now, the rumour we heard, and Matt heard it at the same time as me, so you know I'm not lying, I'm not saying the rumour's right, but at least we heard the same rumour at the same time, is that that was Otmar trying to save his job with Whitmarsh coming in. We, we, we understand that Whitmarsh will be basically taking that position and will be the face of the Aston Martin F1 team. But that is another example, I think, of just the power that young Lance Stroll has. And maybe I'm being a bit unfair, Alex. Because Lance Stroll only hit two other drivers and one of them was staff. So does it really count? You know what's annoying about the Lance Stroll thing um, is pre- earlier in the race, I had a friend over watching the race with me. I said, you know, Lance isn't great, but, you know, at least he does. He stays out of trouble. <laughs> he doesn't crash. He doesn't hit people. And then he goes and hits his teammate, Gasly, and crashes. <laughs> yes, yeah. like, oh, Lance. I mean... Let's start with the, um, I don't know what order all this happened in, but let's start with uh, him on his teammate. Yeah, that was, the, that was the first one. Yeah. That was just belligerent. He just didn't see him coming. He wasn't looking in his mirrors and he was just taking the racing line like la, la, la. And Seb's coming up the outs- around the outside of him would expect to be given room by his teammate and just bashes him into the wall. It was so lucky. It was will face on will face. Otherwise that could have been a really bad, bad incident. And both Aston Martins out of the race. Uh, Matt, just so you know, we'll just say that all of those things did happen in was hit Vettel, hit teammate, uh, say he didn't want to come in, go off, hit the barrier. And when he rejoined, he was overtaken by a couple of cars, the last of which being Gasly, and then just fully chinned Gasly, for which he got a 10 second penalty and two penalty points. Actually, Jono first and then Matt. Okay. I did not hear about the penalty. Is that, when was that confirmed? Was that recent? Post-race. Okay. Post-race, yeah. Because that ruins what I was about to say, because I was going to say he finished six seconds off a point after doing all that. <laughs> yeah. He was no, six no. seconds away from scoring 10th position after doing what seemed like would cause a DNF for most races. He was in the points before the rain started. Uh, Matt. So let's be clear. Uh, with regards to Vettel, second time in two weeks, because he absolutely yeah, took that off at yeah, Monza yeah, as yeah. well in exactly the same way. With regards to the barrier, I'm going to blame the barrier for that one because it just did not move at all. I mean, the barrier no. could have yielded some. It left no space. None. Yeah. None whatsoever. And then with regards to Gasly, it was just, I mean, 
you know, I've come back on the track. Gasly's clearly going faster than me. And I will be fair to Stroll. I watched the onboard. He tried to stay next to Gasly. Yeah. Lost the rear, caught it, and the catching of it just drove him straight in the back of Gasly. So, yeah, 100% his fault. He should have just let Gasly go because he was, you know, reentering after, you know, visiting his friend, Mr. Wall. But, um, at, at the end of the day, at the actual turn, I don't think it was an intentional, I'm going to take Gasly out no. to keep the spot. He just lost the car, and the result of that was contact with Gasly. I, I feel like he was fighting too hard for someone who was clearly on the wrong tyre, had just hit his teammate, and slid into the wall, defending against someone who was on the correct tyre that had just overtaken him. I, I'm giving him the whose fault is it for that. So, mm, all right. I think we've done well. We've covered a lot of ground here. I, I think it's time, quite possibly, for the podium. And I think what we need to remember is that this race was only good because it was double points. We had a sprint race at the beginning. We had an additional point scoring segment from leaving the pit lane to the grid. And every car had to have a rear tyre explode during... Oh, no, we didn't do any of those things. It was just a normal F1 race that happened to have a few factors that came together to make it beautiful, to make it entertaining. And one of the joys of having watched F1 for the last something-something years, since 1986, is that every race doesn't have to be a thriller. Races like this, I know we've had a season where we've had a lot of thrillers. I think we've had a few seasons, actually, where there's been a lot of exciting races. That isn't the norm in F1. I know Liberty wants to make everything a Super Bowl, but the beauty of F1 has always been... The racing happens, and then every now and then, we do get these stars aligning, these situations being created where you have Lando Norris up front with an advantage, Lewis Hamilton having to come back from fourth position, then losing it and coming back from seventh position, and you get to see two drivers at two different phases of their careers in two different types of cars battling it and showing their skills. These perfect alignments of stars showing us the special, the specialness and beauty of Formula One without any gimmicks. It's just the nature of the sport. This is what has made most of the current F1 fans fall in love with Formula One. The patience of sitting through the odd race where nothing happens. Not Monaco. That's obviously stupid. But all the other races where nothing happens. In the 90s, nothing happened for seven years. I don't think there was a single overtake in that time. You just waited for engine failures. But my goodness, Alex... The beauty of F1 is these kind of events that you wait for. They're special because they're not a Super Bowl every single race. They're special because they don't happen three times a weekend. What was proved today was, yet again, the first stint is boring and tells you nothing. The first so stint is boring and tells you nothing. doing the sprint? Because yep. when we had Hamilton stuck behind that yeah, train that of train, cars, yeah. you're like, that's it. Yep. The how's, how's he going to get past? How's anything going to change? Tire safe, fuel safe. That's it. You're going to have Russell holding up a massive train. You're going to have um, Norris and Science disappearing off into the distance. Job done. And that's your sprint race. Yep. And then all hell broke loose because once the strategies start to play into play into it, that's how then F1 works. Um, so yeah, we don't need the gimmicks because F1's good enough. We don't. It. We don't even need a blooming rule change. 
We don't need new regulations next year. F1 is brilliant at the moment. And you just change little tweaks every single year. And the cars will get closer and closer together. And now we're going to have a massive rule change and it's going to blow it all up again. Like they say in Leeds, change is never good. Right. I I don't want to do anything more than take a moment to ruin your point there, Alex. But the rules change we had this year was entirely to help Pirelli out with the amount of downforce and, and energy that was going through the tires. It wasn't a planned change. If you're going to change things, you got to tell the teams ahead of time. And the rules have already been kicked back a year thanks to COVID. Will they work better than what we see right now? I don't know. Will they help the sport survive longer and make more money? I hope so, because that's the point of bringing them in. My understanding with the new regs is they'll be better through fast stuff and worse through slow stuff. So through the slow stuff, they just won't have enough downforce. So we could see lots of issues in the slow stuff. But during the fast stuff, you're not going to see anything because those cars are going to be planted. Okay. Last old man yelling at clouds rant on this. F1 isn't about a race being good. F1 isn't about every race being good. F1 is about being good over the course of several races, over the course of a season, over the course of an era. That's the beauty. I'm going to start complaining about the young'uns now, Matt. The young'uns. And that's why in, in America, it's like baseball. Yeah, nothing happens. But you accept that. And the beauty of it is that nothing ever happens. Same with cricket. That's right. And yeah. it's all because it sells lots of stuff to people. And <laughs> that's ultimately what F1 is about. We've got awards in that. Should we do that? What do you think? Should we do awards? Yes, let's do them. All right. Well, the first thing is thing of the weekend. is where we're nice to people. Jono, you do commentary on like E-Rate Esports and supercars and stuff like that, which is, uh, is it the equivalent of like British BTCC supercars? Is that a fair? Yeah. Is that analogous? Correct. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Supercars is the equivalent, I would say, to the BTCC. A mix of BTCC and DTM. A mix of both worlds. Ah, okay. And when you do the commentary for their esports, what kind of uh, drivers and people do you get? racing in those those races so we we mostly have the real drivers so oh, from wow. the real category they jump in we had oscar piastri from f2 jump in uh, we i can't say much but we were supposed to have an f1 driver for one of the rounds but who, that, who, uh, who was it and how annoyed are you I that you <laughs> i well give me a i'll clue. tell you this i'm not that annoyed so it wasn't that good of a driver but it was <laughs> it was any any f1 driver is good okay um, confirmed latifi snubs <laughs> esports uh be, uh, no, no, no. so uh but you commentate on that and it's it's quite high profile and i must say you are very good at it as well as your your partner in crime on the mic there yeah yeah chad is awesome uh chad's a professional he's been doing it for ages uh i love doing it uh it's great uh obviously i'm not going to be doing much sim racing in the future this is the only gig i've got with sim racing is supercars ah. but next year you know i'll be you know back to studying broadcasting back to doing more real world stuff which is where i want to be in the future Oh, excellent. Oh, good. Well, who was your thing of the weekend, Jono? Who impressed you this week? If you say Ricardo, we're just hanging up because you're Rick Fossey. Does it have to be? So how does this work? Is it over the course of the whole weekend? Now, do you know what? It really, we've never established rules for it. So if you want, it could be (laughs) the concept of teamwork, the ethereal feeling of general Mm. love and satisfaction. It could be anything. I just want to go for a driver. I just want to keep it simple, really. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your driver? I think over the course of the whole weekend... Uh, Lando Norris up until lap 47. Oh. And then over the course of the weekend, I don't know, this is a tough one. Max Verstappen was pretty good. 
Lewis Hamilton impressed me, but then the qualifying threw it away from him. I don't know. Let's give it to Norris until lap 47. Let's give it to Verstappen for lap four, 50, lap 47 or 53. It's too soon. Too soon. to. Too... I, I, I'm struggling. I'm str- I know I've been really critical of Norris, but obviously I am heartbroken for him. I really, he's going to get another opportunity. I know he is. He's definitely, he's too good to not eventually be a race winner and to be pushing and to be a feature in a championships. Alex, Jeansy Van Jean. Hello, Alex, all the way over there. Look at you with your swarthy face and your stubble. Uh, you're, uh, you're, I admire you greatly. You are um, such a fierce racer. I, here's the biggest compliment I can give you. If I see you in my rear view mirror or over my shoulder in karting, or behind me on a sim race, I'm I'm terrified of you being behind <laughs> me. You have scared me off of corners. You've sent me into barriers without doing anything. You are you are a ferocious racer. And I know people go, oh, these guys, they're not F1 drivers. Who are they to say anything? But, I mean, if this was football, you would be a, a really good semi Roy Keane. No, no, no. You, <laughs> no, no. You, you would, like, obviously Brad's a pro driver. He would be in the championship or something. But you would be, a, like, a solid semi-pro who would kick anyone's ass on a five-a-side game? Like you are just a fantastic racer. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I I, I like that people worry when I'm behind them. It's and, terrified. And in a way, it's a tactic. It is because you know they know if they know you're going to make a move or you're and, going and to you attempt are, to move. You've never not. You've never not um, made the move. It's pressure, you know, and pressure's great. But um, yeah, I, I I've jumped the gun too early with my with my thing in the weekend. And it's the new record. It's it's a hundred wins. I it's just so. And you know, it hasn't been the best this weekend. No, nope. um, it's been on the cards for a win all this weekend. But just that record is just something so ridiculously special, and it cannot be talked about enough because I don't care the machinery you've had. I don't care what you've gone through. To get to that milestone is unbelievable. And he deserves every single bit of plaudits and people calling him the GOAT and whatever. And his knighthood, he deserves it all because that's incredible. Uh, Nick the Greek, Nick the Geek in uh, the chat says that you're more like Vinnie Jones. Uh, that's a really old footballer I'll who take that. was very violent if, uh, for reference. So this... He doesn't know what cufflinks are. My dad had him in his car once. Finney Joe's doesn't know what cufflinks are. It's quite funny. This speaks to my earlier point that F1 is a career game. It's not just one race. It's not a season. It's a career game. And you can't argue that Lewis Hamilton hasn't won the career game. All right, yeah, he was in the best car for lots of those things. But he also won races when he wasn't in the best car. That's part of that 100 is when he wasn't in the best car. He had a... He's won every single season that he's been in f1 you don't do that unless you are magnificent at driving a a formula one car he's won the career game in f1 career mode in f1 rl he's smashed it and also if you think about it you know when you get people saying the whole thing of he's never had a bad car okay well he had 09 and 09 was a terrible car but let's even take 09 out of it it's irrelevant the fact is he's good enough to keep those drives with yeah. other good drivers around. No team has done to um, Vettel like what Red Bull did, where they literally put this new kid on him, broke him and sent him off to Ferrari, and then broke him again, and then sent off Charles Leclerc and broke him again, yeah. and then disappeared. They haven't done... No one's been able to do that to Lewis. He hasn't been protected. He's been told to fight his teammates. 
and he has had to fight every single one of his teammates a little bit less over the last couple of years of Bottas. Yeah. But I think that's more because Bottas hasn't had the tools to fight him. So why mm. bother? Um, you know, so I don't buy any of that stuff. And you have to be good to stay in the top seats because if you're not, there is somebody waiting in the wings to take it. Next yeah. year is going to be interesting with George coming in. But we'll see. That's know, that's for another it. year. But yeah, remember, you know, Mercedes courted Lewis Hamilton for for a reason. Uh, otherwise, it would have been Paul DeResta. Maybe. Who knows? Fangine, I'm going to speak to you in a little while about your plans for the future. But I want to know what is Matt's thing of the weekend at MattPT55. Links to Matt's stuff and to Matt's wife's books where she writes romantic novels, which are basically Matt Trumpet's fan fiction. I mean, I don't read, so I don't know. But look for the links in the show notes below. Matt, what was your thing of the weekend? You're on mute, my bud. And thankfully, she never listens to the show, <laughs> so I can let you believe that. Um, this is a tough one. I, I, I'm sort of torn between saying Perez, who I think had one of his best drives ever. But <laughs> yeah. In totality. I mean, like, I know the result didn't come out right, but I think if I'm Red Bull, I'm like, okay. I'm now glad I signed this guy to this contract because that's everything I needed him to do in one race. But I'm going to go McLaren, the whole kit and the caboodle attached. They nailed it on. Not a race they should have been winning. They started on pole and it was pretty much theirs thanks to cleverness until just those final few laps. And even in that, they managed to get Ricardo with a terrible pit stop to finish fourth. I mean... They they only lost a little bit of points to signs, but they gained and ah and with Norris and the points they probably actually made some up. I just like they are just smashing it out the park right now, and my hat's off to them at McLaren. Okay, Spanners, who was your thing of the weekend? Oh oh okay yeah thanks for asking me. Oh at Spanners ready since you asked. That's right. Oh and you can support this project and keep us doing this kind of thing. Why don't you encourage this kind of behavior by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Apex. I think that would be a good idea. At the top of the show notes today, I am going to put a link, which is our tip jar. And if you don't want to be a patron, but you just think we should encourage this kind of behavior, let's keep these guys going. If you'd like to buy us a gin or or a cup of coffee, uh, click that uh, tip jar and every donation to the Mr. Apex pot is greatly appreciated. The more we can amass the more we can do and we really appreciate that support my thing of the weekend no one's taken verstappen for sure really has no one taken verstappen we've got this far no one's taken verstappen lad started 20th lad did you i I took him for the last six laps of the race okay but you said norris for your thing of the weekend max verstappen started 20th is that is that facts is that correct was was he on the second step of the podium yep okay well that's obviously thing of the weekend then isn't it good Max Verstappen, well done. Maximum damage <laughs> limitation. Very good. Okay, we oh, we've been too nice, haven't we? Let's do the bad thing. Let's do the thing where we judge really good F1 drivers and teams. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. The missed Apex Award. We know, we know we're just yelling at the sofa. We know it's all in hindsight. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go first. You can at me, spanners at mistapex.net if you want to email me. The My Missed Apex Award does go to Lando Norris, not just for making the wrong call. Lots of other drivers made the, the wrong call. Perez made the, the wrong call as well. But he made the wrong call forcefully. And I, I think it was a rush of blood. 
I think he saw glory. He lost perspective. That's the thing that hurts the most. He could have been on the podium today. He could have uh, pitted the lap after Lewis Hamilton and still kind of come out ahead or fought Lewis Hamilton on Inters. I think that would have been a reasonable scrap if he was ahead, if he'd have got out ahead. I think he lost perspective. I think he lost his head a little bit. It's a lesson that he probably had to learn and it's good that he learned it now, this year, not in a championship fight. There's so many great things coming for Lando Norris, but he missed the apex for me. I'm going to say that one so that none of you guys get the abuse for saying it. Uh, where should we go? Let's go to Jono. Jono, who missed the apex for you? All right, I'm going to take two. So sorry, Trumpet. Sorry, Jeansy. If I steal yours, I'm going to be... All right, here we go. First one, what the hell were Alpha Tauri doing pitting Sonoda for softs? When the track was going to get wetter and wetter, and they were pitting him for softs. I have no clue. Don't get me started. Don't even show me the data. The next one is, <laughs> data. and with no disrespect to him, because uh, we've trashed him a lot this podcast, but Lance Stroll, mm. how about just look into your mirror to the left? Did I steal that? I didn't mean to steal it. He's crashed into his own teammate without looking. Hang on. What is ag- he doing? Again. Again, to be fair. And when Lance Stroll has done well, we've always been generous and, and I think pointed out that he's done well. Van Jean. Who missed the apex for you? Uh, Jono on this podcast. Yeah. For, for, taking, the, for, two, the for sharing taking two, things. for taking two best things and two <laughs> bad things and nicking my bad thing yeah. and you nick my bad thing too. Oh. So I've now got to think of one on the fly, um, which of which I'm stuck on. Okay. Um, what other bad things happened this weekend? Um, well, hang on. I, I, okay. I got one. Yeah. I got one. The ballet on a piano before the start of the race. <laughs> what on earth? Uh, was that? It wasn't oh, even on. It the was better than anthem. an anthem. I wanted the song than from Rocky anthem. Four. Yeah, and you want like some big guy going. If he if he dies, he dies. Yeah, that's he does. He, he does. does. Yeah, that's what you want. Uh, Van Jean, you are going to be on like video or telly or something. I talked about about you being a good racer, but apparently not alien level good because you're going to be on a show where you are going to be coached. Which, by the way, is so upsetting because. I, I, I feel like I was starting to catch up with you on raw pace, not, not racing talent. Uh, and now you're going to get faster because you're getting coached. Well, hopefully. Um, so I'm, I've, I've, I've got through to the final 25 of this um, show called Project Alien, where they take 25 races, whittle it down to eight. So there's four coaches and they will, they will after next week, pick uh, two drivers each that they want to coach mm. um, and hopefully turn those guys into aliens. It's a bit like, it's a bit like the voice. It's a bit of a reality show. It's going to be on the global sim racing channel on YouTube. The first episode will be on Thursday coming uh, at 8 PM GMT. Um, and you'll see my audition. And then hopefully uh-huh. next week, I hopefully fingers crossed might get picked for the final eight, which would be nice. Um, and which if I do, I'll then get a whole bunch of coaching, which will take me forward and, and we'll see what happens. We haven't been told anything else about the show. So um, check it out. Um, And it's run by um, um, majors garage who are one of the big setups. Yes. Uh, So yeah, hopefully, hopefully fingers crossed we can have some fun on that. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. I hate you. All right. Alex Van Jean on Twitter, go follow him and any, links that we can share we will put in the show notes as well matt who missed the apex for you well you know i can't believe everyone overlooked this but gotta be alpha dowry i mean gasly had a top six car yep where did he finish oh no wasn't in the points oh he got hit by stroll does that mitigate it at all 
Well, I mean, if you're fighting Stroll at that point in the race, no, really, I don't think that it does. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's true. We've got a few more awards. You've got our Pony Award. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Sorry, mine goes to Max Verstappen for my car won't turn. Uh, but I suspect there's better ponies out there. Has anyone got one? Alex, oh. go on then, do it. Deliver it's, the... It's Lando. It's got to be. It's yeah. got to be Lando. Shut up. Leave me alone. Yeah, but yeah. It, was, it was the tone of it. It was just so... I mean, yeah. it, it was born of a confidence and an authority, which will mm-hmm. in future years be respected. But at this point, that particular ferocity level and tone is as yet unearned. Is that mm-hmm. fair? Wasn't called for either. Yeah. You know, they, 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 that team, and that team has been so, to be fair, I don't think that Mercedes as a network, including their drivers, and Red Bull as a network, including their drivers, have been the best two teams this season. Hmm. The best team this season has been McLaren, despite the car, um, because everyone at Mercedes and Red Bull has made some big, big decision-making mistakes. And this weekend was probably the only real big mistake we've seen in McLaren this year. And, you know, that was um, driven by some passion. Um, but, but yeah, so for me, you know, they're, they're, they're the best team out there at the moment. Right. And I'm just going to go with, and I could be wrong, but as part of preparing for the show, I did watch a lot of onboards, including strolls. And I just got to say, Maybe it's a tone thing with him, but literally his every communication with the team sounds like he's unhappy with something. Yeah. No, I don't want to come in. No, I want to, I, I can't reproduce the tone adequately, but he literally just sounds like he's yelling at them every time he communicates over the radio. Do a Canadian accent impression. Come on, you can I do just it. did one. Did you not catch it? No, I didn't catch it. Well, uh, well, I'll work on it then. Well avoided. Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for joining us on Miss Apex Podcast. Please do follow our, our crew. Go and follow Jono, Alex, and Matt. All the links will be in the show notes below for YouTube and for your podcast app. Uh, at the moment, we don't have live comments enabled because loads of people were super mean and it was becoming way too stressy. We hope that situation might have calmed down a little bit. For, but for now, you can join us in our Slack group live stream channel. And, and you can comment. It's been a very active chat room, Matt. And we do give an award, which is called... Comment of the Week. You're not the only one with a talented wife. It's my wife what sings that comment of the week thing, you know? Yeah, well, you forget. We have played together before. Oh, yes. And she, is, she is quite good, yes. Yeah. Oh, karting events. I'll oh, remember karting events. 2022. We're all going to get together. We're going to go karting. We're going to be way too hungover from the night before and then pretend we're not because that's definitely against go-kart rules. You will watch Van Jean take out several of the Missed Apex crew. You will see Brad not care about yellow flags at all. I promise that will all happen. And then we'll watch uh, my wife and Matt Trumpets playing music and we will drink and dance and dine. It will happen. But not this year. Next year. You left out me getting a trophy, but okay. I also left out you getting Summers so drunk that he spends the next day shaking and rocking in a car (laughs) park. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, we have a lot of fun on those things. But um, comment of the week from the Slack group. Have we got any nominees? I think Alex is going to have a few nominations as well. Uh, you go first, then we'll have Alex's. We barely have one. Um, so we'll start with uh, Dave Hart, 
who was up late with breaking news, Lawrence Stroll has purchased the track at Sochi and is widening the barrier that Seb was pushed into by his son. Now, it wasn't really <laughs> Seb that was pushed into it. It was uh, Stroll pushing himself into the barrier. But yeah. you are absolutely right in your basic <laughs> approach to the world. Um, we're going to go next to our friend, Chris Fonseca. Everyone's got a plan till they get overtaken by Mazepin about Norris getting overtaken or unlapped by. Um, we're going to bounce next to, oh, Todd in Phoenix saying that I was a young man when Daniel Ricciardo's pit stop started. (laughs) That wasn't the only one. There was lots of bad pit stops. That's not McLaren's fault necessarily. Might not have even been that one. I forget which pit stop it was about. But yeah, the general point was taken. There were a couple of very, very long stops. We're going to go with our friend EJ, Avon from Denmark. It seems it takes a lot of effort to get stuck behind Botas. Yeah which is both cruel, true, and funny, all at the same time. And then I think we will finish with um, Jacob Ligthelm saying, talking about Mazepin, I was shocked how fast he was, and replying, Schumacher was reti- had, to be, had to retire to facilitate his overtake and home result, which there's absolutely no truth to that rumor that we've <laughs> just started whatsoever. Alex, have you got some? Um, when talking about Lando not not thinking it was going to rain, we've got Martin Vigance, which is not expecting it to rain is not very British. It's not, is it? <laughs> which I really, really liked. Um, uh, got, I, it's funny. The, the, the chat room have been incredibly distracting and yeah. funny mm. this evening. Um, and I've got another one for EJ, which is um, Alonso. When talking about um, other drivers cheating and him trying to out-cheat the cheaters, Alonso, any cheat you can do, I can do better. He's <laughs> back on that Hilton advert that he did with um, Hamilton when they were back at the Oh no, go and Google that. Lewis Hamilton and uh, and Fernando Alonso uh, doing that Hilton advert was just horrific. Um, Matt, who's the winner? Oh my goodness. that's uh, It was the one that you laughed at most. Which one was that? I can't remember. This is your job. I, I do know. all the other. I do basically everything else. Every time. Then it will be... I think it- Go on, you was go for it. it. Was it the, when I was a young man was when that pit stop started? <laughs> yes, Todd and Phoenix, congratulations. You have won Comment of the Week. Comment of the Week. Thank you very much for joining us. All the things we mentioned will be in the show notes below. I have no idea what the calendar is coming up. I have a news show planned for Sunday. I don't know if Turkey is involved. Is Turkey the weekend then after that on the 10th? Yeah, I think that's the schedule at the moment. It was Red List Country. I don't know if it's going to be. However, Mr. Apex will try and give you the sort of content we love delivering. We'll try and catch up with Uncle Joe as well. Uh, you guys seem to enjoy our segments with Matthew Carter on Sunday and with Magnus and our law segment with Peter Wright. We try and bring you that variety of, of content. I'm always talking to people saying, can you come and uh, can you come and, and, and talk to us on Mr. Apex about your specialist subject very soon, I believe in the next month, we are actually going to get somebody who has actual real experience of being race control for F1, FIA weekend stuff. So we're going to get a look right into the heart of race control, those decisions uh, to run events, those decisions to deploy safety cars uh, and just what it is that those guys have to deal with uh, and referring things to the stewards, etc. So Stick with Mr. Apex. Thank you very much for being with us thus far. Do us a favor. Just tell your friends. 
www.mistapex.net. That's the only link you have to share. They get to the homepage, they can click a video, they can find the RSS feed, or they can play an audio version. So, good. If you enjoy it, don't be selfish. Tell your friends. At the very least, we will see you next Sunday. Until then, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Mist Apex Podcast. Haha, Matt Trumpets, I didn't have to put my face in the air conditioning even once. I must be on the mend. Yeah, that was an improvement over last week. I was very impressed. You barely look sweaty. Yeah, and uh, people are judging Jono because they're saying, when you were choking, they were saying, why are you drinking booze? They were assuming, quite racistly, that because you're Australian, you must be drinking booze at uh, six in the morning. Yeah, it was seven in the morning now. Man, oh, that's man. why I was choking. So hang on. It was what? actually, yeah. it was straight vodka. <laughs> it wasn't, look at it. Do you Ta- want to have a look? Yeah, I want to see. Vodka so clear. From Russia. Tell me. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like that you got your terror. Oh. Your impression is worse than mine. That was just potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> what glorious nation Russia is. They turned potato. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com into happy yeah. juice yeah potatoes go in joy comes out it's amazing tell me this Jono for all our Australians that, that get frustrated or like have to do these crazy hours including our video editor Steve what time uh-huh. did you watch the race what time was the race for you well okay I'll preface it with this the race was 10pm tonight that's not bad that's okay yeah not bad not bad the next six races two at 12am one at 4am one at 3am two at 6am which is actually not that bad. You can wake up 5.30, maybe cook yourself some breakfast, miss the pre-race, blah, blah, blah. Actually, but you get mega perfect... weather, so it's fair. Yeah, you live <laughs> in we... a paradise. No, 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 not in Melbourne. Actually, compared to the UK, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I've been to Australia. I spent five weeks in Australia, and the weather was incredible. It was a Queensland? bit rainy. It was a little bit rainy on Christmas Day in Surfers Paradise, but other than that, oh, it was glorious. No, mate, that's weather dream. That's California. But bear in mind, I was still in a swimming pool on Christmas Day. I've never been to Australia because it's far away and everything's trying to murder you. It it just doesn't seem like a good idea. I've never been tempted. Yeah, can confirm.